Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. On today's podcast, I have world-renowned swimming coach, Stefan Widmer. Um, I have to thank um, particularly Stefan. He took my swimming to an entirely different level and it really shows the power of great coaches who show that support and encouragement to their athletes and what that can do for their swimming careers. Steph, thank you so much for for coming on um, on my podcast. It's very exciting to have you. It's kind of very weird and very wonderful to to have someone who's been such an important part of my life here to talk to me and you know obviously totally self-indulgent because I'm sure nobody else will be as interested in this conversation as I will be but yeah thank you thank you for joining no I'm uh, very uh happy to be here and, and I've listened to actually quite a lot of your postcards oh, and I think oh. you do uh, an incredible job and more and more people will understand how important this is for athletes, not just in the transition out of it. I hope they, they listen before that to it mm-hmm. and start to set up certain things in a different way. And uh, we all want, we love our athletes. We want our athletes to be during the career and post-career to be happy mm-hmm. or content at least people and, and, and not that they suffer because of what they gave themselves and to the people and to the nation that they can be strong for their own life post that and not just strong for other people. Oh, so, I mean, it's so true. Um, it's just such an important conversation. And, yeah, I I appreciate that mm. you're on the same page as that because it's, um, it's something that I think <laughs> is so important. And, you know, it's such a thrill to hear that you've actually listened to any of them. That is exciting. <laughs> um, no, no, I, 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 to lots of them, lots of them. Thank yeah. you. Um. I kind of like I could just jump in to any point, uh, yeah. I guess, in our relationship. But for the sake of people mm. who don't know your past, uh, where did you come from? Mm-hmm. Like, where, where did you come from? <laughs> what? How did you get to becoming a, um, you know, uh, an incredible yeah. swimming coach who absolutely took on the world? Um. So I grew up in a little town in Switzerland, more cows than people, and but I loved water from a very young age. I became a swimmer, then a decent swimmer. I had some Swiss national records, then a little bit slower than the Australian records. <laughs> but uh, I always loved swimming, and then from a young age, I just wanted to become a coach. Uh, so from the age of 12, probably I mentioned it the first time in an interview with the local newspaper. Uh, So I educated myself at university level, bachelor degree and a master's in science, bachelor in physical education, master's in science, and then started to coach. Uh, Always wanted to travel the world by myself for one year as well. That was part of it, but chased the dream of becoming a coach through swimming nations like the US and then Australia. So I arrived in Australia as a backpacker, just one bag. And uh, but had a phone number of a certain coach, Scott Volkers, and I just gave him a call, rocked up on pool deck. We started to talk, had a really good connection very quickly. He wanted me to help him for a few months. I did, but I always said I will go back to Switzerland, which I did. Uh, but then he uh, created a job as an assistant coach at the Queensland Academy of Sport and applied for the job. And 
somehow was the last man standing. And, and then three years in the lead up to the Sydney Olympics, I coached with him as an assistant coach with Susie O'Neill, Samantha Riley, uh, some great, great athletes as well. And then the national head coach from back then, Don Talbot, wanted me to take over that program from Scott and Scott to become the Queensland head coach as a non-coaching coach. And uh, so I started in 2001 kind of trying to set up my own program and I think uh, a mother of, of one of the girls gave me a call in October 2002 whether her daughter could come and swim with me. <laughs> and um, I, I, so we then had a bit of conversation around things. I knew of that girl. <laughs> and that girl's name was Lisbeth Linton. So her mother gave me a call. Not the swimmer, but the mother. <laughs> I, just, it's, I still find it so funny that I got my mum to call you. To be like, hey, <clears throat> do you think Libby could come swim with you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, you were only 17, I think, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I was yeah. 17. Probably should have started to take a bit more responsibility at a slightly younger age. But yeah. thankfully, mum did that job yeah. for me. And, yeah, kind of yeah. almost the rest is history. But she did it convincingly too. Did she? Oh, yeah. that's good. Yes. Uh, yes, you um, did a great job. Because you were coaching at the time out of my school pool at Somerville House in Brisbane. Yes. And you were coaching Marika yeah. Gura and a whole bunch of other incredible female athletes who, you know, were very much, mm. um, I guess, competitive in my events. And yeah. I, it, was, it was a really funny – I don't know. I find I find it kind of funny to think back to that time because you made me take responsibility for my swimming, which is uh, again probably one of the fir- you're probably one of the first adults to make me do that. And yeah. it was it was an interesting thing because you know, like you know, Mum didn't ma- say, "Oh, hey, Lib, you need to call Stefan and <laughs> ask him if you can come join the squad." Like <laughs> she she was never did anything that kind of required that things of me. Whereas you were like, yeah. "Cool." You can come join the squad, but you have to be, well, at the time it was only like seven sessions. Did I start out with seven yeah, sessions a week? Beginning. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> everyone else was doing 10 sessions, but I'd come from a program where I was like, whatever, I'm doing four. No, no the program had more and offer. You just chosen to do four or five. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, um, again, totally self-indulgently, like what did you – why did you mm. take me yeah. on? Why Why did you think that that was look, a, look, a good idea? I, I knew that the, you had uh, H Nationals, uh, you had some pretty good results. I think you came third in the 50 freestyle, so I knew about that. I, I knew a few other things of you as, a, as an athlete. I didn't really know too much about you as a person, uh, but I, I liked your start uh, already then, but I could see that there's some aspects that we can in, improve. I saw your first your 50 PB and your 100 PB, they didn't match up to me. So I felt you could be a much better 100 meter swimmer as well. But that's just before I really literally saw you the first time in the water at, at our pool. And then within one week, I, I gave one of my coaching friends a call and, and I said to him, look, I got this new swimmer in the pool. She will be incredible in a very short time. And he said, like, oh, Steph, come on, don't get too excited here. <laughs> you know how these things go. I said, I know, but this is different. Uh, this is just totally different. Uh, just what you what you showed, but it's, it's not just what you could do. It's as well what I believe where the gaps are and how I could help you. 
and and I think that's when the great partnership started. Um, mm. And I always believe uh, uh, it needs uh, great athletes with great coaches and great coaches with great athletes and and um, and partnerships. Though uh, I mean, there's other athletes I probably wouldn't have been able to coach in the same way because it just the game would have been totally different from their personalities or from their what they need physiologically and so on. Mm. Uh, I mean, like like for, for Luke, it was a much better solution for him to move on at some stage to go to Michael Bowl yes. and train there. Um, and so that's just how the game is. And that's, we, we have to figure it out for the athletes. Uh, but then at some stage, it's maybe as well someone else is better for that athlete as well. Yeah, well, that's what I found quite interesting because – like I think you're 100% right with, with coaches and athletes. You have to find the right fit and you have to find the person who's going to push you in the correct ways. Whereas I think, and you were, you were that for me 100% because I didn't want to think too much and you were great at that analytical, um, analytical side. You were great at that uh, technical side, which I loved because I was really into that yeah. kind of technical aspects of stroke and, and obviously technique and all those um, things and those tiny kind of micro improvements that you could do as an athlete. But whereas yeah. for Luke, I think you were too analytical because he's very much that way and he needed someone like yeah. Bowley, Michael Bowl, who was, yeah. you know, a bit more laid back and a bit more chilled mm. to bring him back mm. out of that, out of his brain, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the physiological side as well, it's a two aspects to it as well. Uh, nowadays, I would give someone like him much more than, you know, a bit VO2 max and descending stuff where else he can't sprint from the word go where you mm. can – you can put it everything in 125 mm. and if he goes in a 25 for everything then he just rips and tears and and so it, it's it's timing physiology uh, and then psychology where there has to be a match somewhat yeah. and in most of these aspects and um yeah and i think that's where where we had a a, a good match yeah yeah because yeah, it, it's funny because um I don't know if you remember this story maybe i'm um, you probably i don't know you you have a, 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 a like a trap what a mouse trap mouse trap i don't know some sort of you're, you have a good memory is what i'm trying to say right. so i was with you at the end of grade 12 mm-hmm. um and so it was leading into Before schoolies yes it was leading into schoolies yes. and you allowed yeah. me very and i'm very grateful that you allowed me to go um for like three days Wednesday afternoon, you had to be back at training, yeah? Correct, correct. And you probably don't know how much I wrote myself off in those three days, but I really did. And it was was a real um, (laughs) – it's like telling my parent what I did at schoolies. Yes. Probably Um, probably even worse. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, so I got completely right off drunk on the first day. Second day, I tried to back it up and it was very terrible. And then by Wednesday, I was back at at training. And it was really, for me, I think that was a turning point because we were preparing for World Cup. and um, Melbourne. Yeah, in Melbourne. It was a short course meet. And so it was so interesting. It was probably in the space of a couple of weeks. I had schoolies and then was going on this trip. I got really sick after schoolies because, you know, as I mentioned, and it was, at, it was just the bad bread that you were eating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't, um, you know, getting too drunk. Um, no, no. And we were at we were in Melbourne. It was we were warming up for the final of the hundred freestyle, 
You said to me before yeah. before the race, you said, you know, you won't recognize yourself in 12 months as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And basically intimating that, you know, I had a huge amount of potential that I probably hadn't yeah. necessarily recognized. Like I always felt like I had a talent for swimming. I always knew that I loved swimming and I particularly loved racing. But it was yeah. having someone external to me who I had really only just met. I was only probably in your program for about six weeks. But yeah. to yeah. have you basically show that sign of um, – positive affect, the the fact that you believed in me, that you thought that I could really take on the world, it felt like, in that moment at 17 years of age. Um, I felt like that was a real, yeah, I mean, it was relationship building for me, for you as my coach, but also it just made Mm. me feel like I could take on the world. And I just, yeah, I, I, well, I guess I kind of wanted to just say that I was grateful for that, for one. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if I've ever said that to you. Um, Yeah, no. But it just, it meant so much to me that someone believed in me. And Mm. yeah, I guess from your perspective, I have no idea why you told me that. Like um, the the thing was, it was our very first competition together. And I really, really, it's not that I believe, I knew. I knew there is is something coming. And, And I have done, I have spoken to like this to two athletes in my life only. And the other one, I wasn't coaching. Uh, so you were the only one that I coached. I could see that the trajectory. And and it's uh, what I as I said to you, do the warm-up that we have five minutes extra time before you have to go to the marshalling area. And uh, I don't know whether you remember the part, it's, which could have been awkward, but I said, Libby, look in my eyes. Look yes. in my eyes. <laughs> yes. And um, it's like... If you if you trust me and you trust yourself, yes. then in one year's time from here on, you won't recognize you, uh, your life anymore. And for this race, the heat, you can hop in and start the race. And after the 15, 20 meters, look around and see, oh, I'm too far ahead and change my behavior and slow down or something is not right here. Mm. I said, at that moment, I want you to trust yourself and keep on going. Don't look back. Don't stop. Stop. Just do your thing on your lane and go for it. And you were like, not even in a seated heat, I think 30 seconds entered at the competition and he qualified first for the final Yeah. Uh, at the World Cup, yeah. which was quite remarkable. Uh, and then you came actually back and said, like, it, it, that situation occurred. Uh, I did the start and I was so far ahead. And then, but then, no, I have to go for it. I have to keep it going. And, and to me, um, that's another part of your talent, you know, that you, you it, it, I can tell you many things, but you have to be the one hopping on the blocks and in the water and executing things and, mm. and then figuring it out still with, with my somewhat assistance and hopefully guidance, but then you have to be the one who has to do it. The athlete has to be the one who has to figure it out really to translate these words, these messages, decoding them into their own world and how they think and so on and how they behave that it works for them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly right. I'm Well, I'm very coachable, but <laughs> so I was able to do that a lot. Uh, I, I still yes. wish that I could do it now. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll fucking nail it. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> um, yeah. this, this is the thing. People have asked me a lot 
if I would ever get into coaching and, you know, also why I wouldn't get into coaching. And I always tell people that (laughs) it's a very particular type of person who can coach athletes and do it really, really well. And I am not one of those Mm -hmm. people because I am exceedingly impatient how on earth do, have you coached or did you coach on, on pool deck for so long and didn't you just want to wring people's necks because you're just like, just do what I'm telling you to do and go and do it in the race pool. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Look, as, as many times as we give maybe good information or instructions and, and then they work, as many times we probably give sometimes good ones and they don't work and sometimes we didn't give the right ones and have to figure out how to do it. And I guess that's a game. I always like to, to say like, you know, like you speak Swiss and I speak uh, Australian <laughs> and that's sport culturally and training culturally and I have to learn your language. I have to translate my thoughts, my inner world, my coaching ideas and philosophies. I have to translate it in somehow words that you can understand it. And then I have to check back with you. What is it what you heard and what what is it what you understood technically or so on? And then I have to learn more and more to speak your language. Mm. Um, So and 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 that's that's somewhat still an exciting journey. So if you if you see oh they can do it or you see not together, we can do it yet. So I still have to figure out a few things. However, you're right. There are some very frustrating moments <laughs> coming with that as well, uh, where you just want to, you know, uh, tear up your hairs. And I always used to say before I started to coach you girls successfully in Australia, I had a lot of beautiful hair. And now, uh, a lot of it is gone. <laughs> and what's left is yeah. very I think it's gray. growing back again. <laughs> oh, is I it? Coaching. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> so good. Um, that kind of actually leads quite nicely to, you know, the conversation that you were saying around, you know, wanting to pull your hair out and, you know, just be like, yeah. what have you done? So yeah. in 2008, do you remember yes. after yes. the 100 freestyle semifinal, do you remember yes. what you said to me? <laughs> I said, what happened? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes, you did. And what, the, what I didn't know at that stage is that you didn't know that you made the final. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I, you didn't know. I thought you knew by then because Mm-mm. that happened quite quickly. So, so otherwise, I wouldn't have been that casual. You know, you the final. So, but maybe what happened? Ah, okay. <laughs> in my head... What I heard yeah. was, what did you do? And, like, it was really interesting. because, And, you know, I can talk about this now after many years of um, yeah. therapy. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, medication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much medication. So much exercise. Um, no. So for people who don't know the story, in 2008 yeah. I had uh, gone – into Beijing as the world record holder for the 50 and 100 metres freestyle. I had also gone into yes. Athens as the 100 metre freestyle world record holder. And yes. in 2004, I missed the final by 0.09 of a second. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, four years later, you hope you're going to 
nail it a little bit better. I was world champion in the 50 and 100 metres freestyle at that point, or, yeah. or reigning world champion. Yes, and also the only woman to go under 53 seconds in the 100 freestyle at that stage. And 24 in the And 50, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. <laughs> I appreciate your support. Yes. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, and being a multi-event swimmer, I tried to conserve as, you know, we'd, we'd obviously discussed Mm. like conserve energy where you can make it through into good, good positions in the final, uh, um, as best as you can. But in the semi-final of the Mm -hmm. hundred freestyle, I took the foot off the accelerator a little too much. I didn't see a girl out Mm -hmm. in lane eight or nine eight probably, uh, who was going really fast. And I ended up placing, I think, fifth in my semi. And that's obviously not where you want to be when you're trying to qualify (laughs) top eight into the final. Yeah. And so the second semi needed to be swum and the top four girls placed ahead of me. And so Mm. I got out of the pool and watched the next semi and saw that result and saw that I'd placed ninth again four years later. Yeah. And I started to spiral and I didn't want to talk to any of the media. And, yeah, mm-hmm. caught up with you after all of that. And that's yeah. when you, <laughs> you said, what did you do? What happened? <laughs> well, yeah, in my <laughs> mind it still plays out as what did you do, which immediately yeah. sent me into like this shame spiral. <laughs> where I was like, ah, <laughs> Stefan hates me. What an idiot. I can't believe how embarrassing that I've done this terrible race and I'm 23 years old and I should be four years more experienced and what an idiot. Um, <laughs> but then it turned out that no, I had actually not- made the final because uh, the Chinese yeah. girl actually got disqualified for a false start. Yeah, and, <laughs> and but it's, uh, again, it's uh, – a- <sighs> From from my side, you know, I I kept enough. I didn't know some of these details that you still. Uh, the most important thing that you still thought you didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. even after that, I I I sort of felt okay. What is it? What I still could have done differently, you know? And one of the things is uh, from my side, I think yeah, I had a great mentor and friend of mine, you know, with Scott. And and at that moment, I maybe could have made the phone call. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't really think of it, and and but I should have thought of it, and I should mm. have done it. On the national team, I had great friends and so on. But that's a different story, a little bit. You you want to be very close to the person and. And in the lead up to some of these bigger meets, when I have a lot of contact with coaches, even at these Olympics, uh, with Australian coaches or, or even the, uh, the breaststroke coach from, from South Africa, Rocco from Tatiana Schoenmaker. Mm. So uh, I could stay in touch with some of these guys a bit differently. You know, I'm, I didn't, not always giving them a, 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 a solution, but sometimes make sure if you have a person in particular situation, Tatiana in the hundred breaststroke came was the fastest in the semi-final and then came second in the final. Yeah. And but the two hundred was her main event, you know. Like I said, you know, make sure you talk to these people if possible who can help you to deal with that emotionally, deal with that tactically, and then come up with a concept in 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 that regards. And I guess uh, both of us at our first Olympics, Libby, we were very <clears throat> very young, very you green. Know, this was when my we first. <laughs> Very green, yes, young and green, yes. <laughs> and um, and the, we, we keep on learning. And you know, the game is just 
always somewhat changing, but certain things are the same as well. So that's where maturity comes in. And mm. I think mentorship as well comes in now for me down to coaches or uh, from you, what you do with this podcast, you know, mm. because we have uh, maybe information lessons, uh, which we can hand on to someone else that they don't have to go through the same. I, I'm interested to understand, I guess, that that side of of a coach mm. um, and yeah. You know, because you've obviously, you, you you mentioned that you wanted to be a coach from from twelve years of age, and obviously at twelve years of age, yeah. you probably you know haven't had a huge amount of life experience, but you've had some, and you obviously <laughs> had that that drive and that intuition to want to impart whatever that is, mm. whether it's technical ability or belief or yeah. kind of coaching them, literally coaching them uh, through kind yeah. of a very important time in people's lives, like. Yeah. What, what was the thing for you? Because so much time is spent on a coach, um, sorry, an athlete and, and mm. their goals and what they're working towards. But really, what was your goals and what were you working towards when you were coaching your athletes? Uh, the, the strangest things, Libby, is when I started to dream to become a coach, a swimming coach was actually not a paid profession in Switzerland. So, oh, wow. so I was dreaming about something that wasn't existing. <laughs> And only in the years later that started to have a team of professional coaches. And I actually was one of the first ones in Switzerland. And strangely enough, later on, I ended up in Queensland as the head coach of Queensland coaching coaches. So I did the profession down to a that profession. Mm. I mentored the profession that wasn't existing in my own country as a professional paid job, wow. uh, which is wow. just a unique, strange uh, a thing for me. What was my dream? Um, I remember in my first three years of coaching, I put a swimmer on the Swiss Olympic team, and, and that girl, she said to me after three years, she said, Steph, you know Switzerland is too small for you. You keep on banging your head against the wall. And I said to her, yes, I know. That's why I'm leaving for mm. one year, traveling to figure out how I can do this. Uh, so to me, that was the chasing my dream it had to happen in a way. I had to leave my harbor of confidence of where I felt at home, Switzerland, Swiss culture, and so on. I had to leave that to to be very uncomfortable uh, for a very long time in, in around the world, traveling by myself, but then as well on pool deck in a nation of great success like Australia, and but find very quickly that I actually can speak not the language literally, not the English, <laughs> yes. but that I can speak culturally the, the language of, of what is it to be successful in that sport. That was very easy. That happened very quickly. I could talk to biomechanic people, to psychologists from sport uh, because of my background and so on. Uh, and then very quickly, uh, there was just one thing, Libby, individual gold medal mm. of an athlete that I coached. That, was, that, that happened uh, in my first, you know, a few years as an assistant coach, that's that's what I wanted to do, and, and so then I had to start to uh, just improve, improve, improve my game for for the future athlete, and um, um, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell that story. So, did you like when you were thinking about kind of leaving Switzerland and kind of recognizing that that might not be a possibility mm. within your home country? <laughs> Because yeah. I'm sure that lots of people were like, you're crazy, don't do that. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So, like, are you just being driven by your gut? Like, is it gut instinct to be like, 
no, this is the right next step and not really knowing because you didn't have a job at that stage. You were just going to see. No, I quit. I had. I was lecturing at the university in physical education uh, in Switzerland and on the other side, 50% I was coaching swimming. So uh, I had two really, really uh, good jobs and jobs that fulfilled me and made me somewhat happy to a very high degree, but, but it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted high performance. Uh, then the second thing in, in this context is that I was wanted to travel around the world by myself for one year, um, also to learn about myself, scare myself sometimes yeah. uh, with things I do and, and, and uh, be really uncomfortable having, figure, having, having to figure it out. Not to your level, but in, in Switzerland, I was at some stage the fastest swimmer in the country. So I never knew whether people really liked to talk to me because I'm Stefan the swimmer the person or whether they just Stefan the swimmer who who's you know who who's the fastest swimmer and so we want to you know what does he say and so on so on that trip I wanted to figure out more about myself and and how do I relate to people mm. and that was a, a really good thing and I, I remember you telling me one day um, when you said oh Steph you know I'm just sick and tired of all the people just seeing me as Libby the swimmer, mm. you know. I don't know, but do you remember what I said to you back as an answer? No, the, the answer is always no. <laughs> My memory's no, terrible. No, but... no. I, I said back to you, well, and I'm only the coach of Libby Lenton, the swimmer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Uh, but but uh, to me, these two moments of one chasing my dream of swimming coaching and then on the other side, the trip around the world, maybe it's a sliding door moment. Mm. Mom, the day before I left for my trip, before I left Switzerland, one of my former swimmer gave me a business card of a coach from Brisbane. And she said, when you get to Brisbane, call this guy. He's a really good coach. Uh, I, I trained with him for three months, studying English in Brisbane, uh, and he, he just helped me so much. He's technical, well advanced, and, and, and all these things. And so she gave me the card, and so I read the card, and it says, I have no idea who this person was. This mm. person was Scott Volkers. Wow. So it's the guy who then I became his assistant coach. And so I had this swimmer, Ivanka uh, Wimmer was her name. Had she not given me her card, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking now, Libby. How crazy uh, So that? it's a sliding door moment where we have to be um, it's just at the right time, certain things have to happen. But then that, that's one side, uh, a luck, and then we have to force as well certain things. So in the English language, you have chance and luck. Mm. Uh, and chance, I think you may be a bit more involved. And we only have one word for this. So I like that. Um, uh, it, it's not just luck. It's you force... You know, sometimes I like to say the door is just a gap open and you just have to push through it mm. and, and, and you have to somewhat believe and you have to want it, want it, want it and and go through that door, push it wide open and, and keep on going. I love that. That's cool. Mm. Yes. Well, and because I'm really interested as well because obviously everything, because mm. you've had both sides, right? Like you were an athlete, so you knew, you know, mm -hmm. getting coached and and trying to perform and all of those sorts of things. Yeah. And I know from my position, like I was constantly striving and pushing and trying things and, you know, obviously there's all the work that we did together and then there was all the work that I did at home with Luke and 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 
trying to, as you said, just trying to force that door open and seeing where it kind of led. As an as a coach, yeah. what? How yeah. do you learn? Like, how do you grow? How do you keep pushing the envelope yeah. and and um, exploring different things with your athletes? Because you know, at least as an athlete, you're doing it to yourself immediately, whereas you kind of probably have yes. to wait yes. <laughs> until the right moment to try certain <laughs> things and see the outcome. You know, maybe weeks or months later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as an athlete, um, I had to actually coach myself quite often just by myself. I had to write whole season plans, uh, the strength and conditioning for myself because wow. it was just not existing. Um, I Psychology wasn't existing. The good old power phrases, what, <clears throat> what we did, I yeah. applied them on myself and felt that worked really well. Uh, so a lot of it was trial and error. I studied physical education, but as well as human movement, uh, so I would have had strength and conditioning, physiology, sport physiology, biomechanics, clinical biomechanics, and then sports biomechanics, uh, nutrition, sports, and so on. And I started probably, I, I think, more than 20 different sports as a coach, level one, and then 10 level two, and five level three coaches uh, level, so to a pretty high standard. And there were gymnastics, for example, track and field, swimming, uh, European handball, I played. But it was all picked by, okay, how can I become better in swimming? Gymnastics, they do uh, super hard skills, how to teach hard skills. Mm. Track and field has to do much more with some of the similar energy systems as in swimming, in the running events. But then the whole strength and conditioning aspect strength training uh, i felt they were way ahead of us so i worked with one of the best strength coaches in switzerland and in the world he's still now on the internet uh, one of the big gurus jean pierre Ecker, i was he was my mentor and so on so i i i've chosen very particular aspects to to improve myself where i felt this is important to the future uh and what i want to do now the painful side living on this is, so for example, I learned what eccentric strength training is, negative yes. training, mm, uh, yeah. you know. And so I did for probably four weeks, three times a week for two hours, negative training. So I couldn't walk for two months after that. You're crazy. So I did a lot of horrible things. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I just thought this makes you stronger. But only later on someone told me, yeah, you don't do it that often. No, that's <laughs> terrible. Yes. I, I, I swam at the end of that season two seconds slower than my PB. I worked really hard, mm. but I was just uh, I worked hard the wrong way. Uh, but but um, so I I guess I did a lot of uh, trial and error myself. So from the age of probably sixteen on, I coached myself, uh, and so by the moment I really coached athletes. And I was twenty six, and I stopped swimming. I had a lot of uh, knowledge. I had the great education behind me. And I coached actually probably for 10 years already. And I think I was ready to go. But the game never changed. So then I was fortunate that the Queensland Academy of Sport, uh, which we, in those late 90s, early 2000s, I think there were just great years of great, great people mm. around. Um, so we had 18 sports back then. Uh, 18 Olympic sports plus three Australian top sports and world-class coaches in all uh, these sports at the academy. So I could, I, I just thought about strength training for the core and then I saw the gymnastics coach walking down the aisle. Oh, let's ask him, Sergey, or the, a strength and conditioning coach from, from track and field. Oh, let's ask him what do the long jump would do to be stable through the core when they hit that power. So it's a constant 
mind game, the game I played on my head about, okay, what's the next thing I want to do? I see this in the athlete, a little bit weak in the core or your glute function when we had to give you a bigger bump uh, <laughs> yes. and then chasing. Uh, I, I, so I, many I conversations know, you know, in the media about my butt, <laughs> which is yes, slightly yes, disconcerting, we, we, but, you know. I, I think the headline was, coach wants to give the swimmer a bigger butt or something. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> yes. Straight to the point they were. But, but, but these um, thoughts, and one thing I don't know, are aware of that? When, um, when we started to really challenge the chin-ups, I went to the kayak coach, John Sumegi, at the KIS, and he was the national head coach for kayaking in Australia. And I say, like, look, you guys need bloody strong girls in the upper body. Mm. So what is it what you do? And be more importantly, what is the best mark that you ever had? And he said 36.25 kilos a girl extra weight in the chin-ups. And, and that's when then I was on a mission about that. So we want to smash that record. Uh, and you were then the one who did that. So you were 40 kilos. You were the first Australian swimmer who did 40 kilos uh, in a chin-up extra hanging of you just before the Beijing Olympics. And, and to me, it, it's kind of our dreams as a coach, our vision, how does it then link to performances and then just chasing it. And, and um, there's so many thoughts in, in, in a 25 meter when I look at you guys that they cross my mind, but then you have to start to be selective and uh, and, and making the, the big calls and, and, and certain things are banked on the side at that moment. Mm. But it, it's just that back and forth, back and forth, but then the intuition comes more and more in that you start to believe, I know this will work. Mm. Um, I've never done it, but I know this will work. Like when we created the drag drill, I know this drill will make you a better swimmer, but we've never done it before. Wait, drag drill um, or with, so, the, so with you, the Sven, the the netting that the we had? The drag drill. Oh, okay. Yeah, the drag drill with the hand. So we we, we created that one. Uh, and and uh, But again, out of the nature, that would be a good timing drill and, and it worked as well, mm. uh, really well. And and so, but I think it's, it's one, one side, great education across many fields that helped me to put it together for the big picture. I find that really cool because I, you know, as an athlete, you're so singularly focused on what you're doing. And mm. I probably, not probably, I definitely didn't appreciate how consuming it was for you. I mean, like you kind of, I I assume so, and I always obviously had a huge amount of respect for what you did and trusted you implicitly, but you don't recognise that. And and that's what a great coach is, right? Like you're constantly pushing, you're almost never switched off because you're you're constantly searching for how you can improve your athletes and and different athletes because all athletes are different as well. Yeah. But Libby, my lessons for you came in a lot of pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes so, so I always I always say say when in the later days when I started to coach the coaches but talk to athletes, I often say like when when I when I talk to my swimmers it's like I'll I'll, I'll give I give you very honest pain. Mm. Um, that that's one of the things you have to be able to handle that and then come back the next day for more on and, and give me more coach. And uh, if you can build the relationship with a, with a swimmer or athlete that they then come, still come back, uh, then you know you're onto something, you know. Mm. But there is an emotional toll. And I, I say quite often in coaches' talks, uh, there's phases throughout the hard, hard training 
that I didn't really want to know what you guys were thinking of me as your coach. Well, because I was, that's the question I was going to ask you. Because yeah. <laughs> I joke, I, I, I remember I <laughs> joked so often that you wished we were robots <laughs> without emotions <laughs> and could just basically take a flogging and just keep coming back and yeah. come back and yeah. come back and come back without tearing up because our skin folds were up 10 or, you know. Yeah. Crying because, yeah. you know, my boyfriend hadn't called me that day, which you had yeah. a huge amount to deal with with me and Luke and doing a long-distance relationship. Yeah. Uh, like how yeah. much did you want your athletes just to be robots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, the interesting thing, again, within our relationship, you probably more the emotional side, irrational, and I'm much more the other scale on You're the very rational kind. side. Yes. And, and, and so how does that work, you know? Uh, and I remember a few conversations when I, or not conversations, when I just said, maybe just go to the toilet now and cry there as much as you can that no one sees you. And then when you're ready, come and talk again. Um, or the, I don't know whether you under, remember the underwater screaming therapy. Yes. Yep. Just yeah, <laughs> vividly. Let, let it out. No one hears you underwater when you scream. I still do that then. now because I'm sw- I'm doing master <laughs> swimming now, and every now and then when I'm having you know a crappy day or a yeah. crappy you know week or whatever, I'll just be like under the water and nobody it still hears works. it. Yeah, it still it's, works. It's great. <laughs> it still works. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was your question about? Oh, um, would you rather that your athletes had no emotions, robots. like that they were robots? Yeah. Uh, robots. Maybe at, at moments that you could turn them into a robot, yeah, <laughs> and then turn it back on again to, well, to the human. It's like a switch on, yes. the, on the on the back of the athlete, you know. The, look, like the the most important thing is and that we work with people. And and to me, again, I was a very young green behind the years coach in those days, uh, dealing as well with someone like you, Libby. Uh, <laughs> you are probably still now the most emotional person that I've ever coached. <laughs> and Libby, I mean that actually in, in a lot of aspects in a very good way. Thank because you. emotions are energy. Yes. It means it means something to you. Mm. And and so that's why that's why you go to those places. And then you have the other ones, they swim a slow time or this 25 is a bit slower and they couldn't care less. Mm. That's not a good thing. And, and the, I see that way too much. And the coach, they, the coach shouldn't be happy about that when the athlete doesn't care about them being a point of a second slower here or having done one chin up, chin up less and so on, because these little things matter in the long term. Uh, but then we are all human beings. We all uh, have our stories. And uh, some days we, we don't know the stories. And, and as a coach, you play around with things. I don't know where to remember when I brought in the yellow card and the red card. Yes. For your swimmers. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately. Oh, we bitched about you behind your back because, a lot that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because your girls used all your cards within the first month <laughs> and the boys still had most of their cards ready and then that became a problem. <laughs> oh, it's but, so funny. But, but it, it, that's how you fail forward, you know. Mm. And, and I think it's interesting, this society nowadays, whether China, Australia, Singapore, 
I think the kids are sometimes not allowed to fail as much and they have to get it right and the parents panic more if the kid doesn't swim a PB. Mm. Emotionally dealing with setbacks and failure, that's preparation for life, you know, and, and sometimes I feel that just doesn't happen. Uh, we don't give the kids the same chance to be kids mm. and to deal with emotional failure. Yes, we're there to support them, but we don't do it for them every single time. Yeah. They have to learn it. Some, and that's why sport is great, yes. uh, you know, to learn to deal with that. Yeah, because it's interesting because yes. I actually, I was literally having this conversation with Luke like a few days ago and I, mm. I just, I feel, because he was getting annoyed because I was getting emotional about something and mm. I feel like when I feel some emotions really intensely, that's when a big progression in my life starts to be made and Luke's like, oh, you just, it's too yep. much. And I'm like, no, this is, it, it's funny, at 36 I'm starting to recognise these things more clearly but mm. I feel like my emotions are my superpower. I think that was something that yeah. made me yes. a great athlete because I, yes. I felt it, I wanted it, I dreamed it and, mm. you know, if I didn't get there I was, yeah, I was, genuinely pissed off and I probably I'm sure I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because of that but I it's yeah I, and I think it's being able to recognize what your superpowers are and everyone's is different yeah. and, and 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 allowing kids and athletes and adults <laughs> to be able to yes. as you said fail forward and and become aware mm-hmm. and understand what happened in that situation and and how to move forward in a better more productive way yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think you, you said, uh, no, I only figured it out at the age of 36. I don't think that's actually like that at all. I think a lot of people haven't figured it out and um, and just keep on going ahead the same way. So, yeah. Um, okay. I got, like, two more questions. Um, obviously, most people, if you were interested in swimming, you would know the name Jody Henry. And yes. Jody and I had an incredible rivalry over many years uh, and I absolutely you know along with you obviously but credit her with me becoming the athlete that I did because of that intense competition that we had for a really long time Mm. and I know that I got really frustrated with her because she just was so good and she was so talented and I just it made me crazy because I felt like I was working so hard and I just couldn't get to her level mm. and I want to know yeah. if you liked Shannon mm. her coach <laughs> or whether you felt that yeah. intense rivalry because I know that I definitely felt that and I just wondered if the coaches felt that or whether you guys were just bros and like like oh, ha, ha, our athletes are super competitive <laughs> um I mean the first thing is without Jody I wouldn't have become the coach that I could become for you mm. uh, without you really wanting it. And every every time you she touched the wall ahead of you, I was suffering the same way. Uh, it was eating me up inside. And the good thing again about that is <clears throat> uh, you had a great start. Your first 50 happened quite easy, but we had to improve the game of the second 50, the back end speed, what we call it. And without her in the game, I wouldn't have worked so hard probably to get that standard up in us uh, as a team. And so it made me as a coach and to identify myself clearly that's where I have to be right now better. Yeah, because her her back end speed was just unbelievable. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so again, back to your question about the coaches. Yeah, with, with coaches, uh, we are always. I think we competitive in nature as well. Otherwise, you you, you, you can't do this game. Like you have to have somewhere a big drive of wanting go to places as well. Um, now, with on the national team, there's personalities as as you're aware, and then with some we get really really easy along even your athletes race each other if some it's sometimes a little bit more challenging and different personalities um so with with, with shannon uh, i highly respected him as a coach and we probably interesting enough i think once a year or so at normally on the national team we had a really great evening somewhere in a bar in a bar like in a restaurant at the top in the hilton in manchester or something like that and and we just Shared it for hours and hours, and and that was always good. But otherwise, it was really I wanted to Shannon. I want my athletes to beat your athletes, <laughs> and he had two of them with Alex as well. I know as well. And I, I was I, I was driven to to make that happen. I I have so many more questions, but I, I, I'll I did say I only had I, two. I but, have time. Okay, cool. cool. Oh, good, 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 good. Let's just chat. Yeah. Um, Dean Boxall. <laughs> Yes. So Dino was like um, our assistant coach. What was your reaction to seeing his post-race <laughs> celebrations after Arnie Titmus touched the wall <laughs> in, in Tokyo oh, for, for the gold medal? And I thought it was. The, I lost it, and I thought it was the best thing ever. You know, like it's. I. I obviously I know Dean really well. Uh, working two years every day with him uh we as coaches in a team you go through emotions as well you know and that bonds i knew how badly he wanted this and how much he has given and sacrificed to make this happen as well and to me that was just down that's dean that's, that's i mean i know dean from from the 90s so yeah. i know him way back when he was a, a youngster and so on and and his competitive side and so on he was it's just his way to to express it. I, I don't think he knew what he was doing at that moment. It was just uh, uh, there's just pure the pure insight came outside. And and um, sometimes, as you know me, I, I I'm most of the times much more reserved. I've, I've done some some louder ones as well, and some the more screaming ones. And and but normally that had I I waited till the end of the of of a meet you know uh but every now and then it happened as well doing mm. things you know and uh, sometimes when you didn't see or you didn't you weren't aware of it uh what, what happened and that's okay that way <laughs> you're like that's fine um what is your advice because you're you're the first coach that i've spoken to on the podcast and yeah. i think there are probably a lot of athletes who might have you know done a sport and then are interested in going into coaching What's your advice yeah. for for people who, you know, maybe making a transition from sport into mm. coaching and kind of yeah. don't know how to do it or, you know, what what's your biggest takeaway from from your experiences in your career? <laughs> the first thing is don't remember how painful training can be. Get over it because you have to give pain. You have to hand it out in in buckets and spades. Um you, you, I remember in the early days when I still remember oh, this. Yeah, this said was tough and isn't it? So you have to get over that quickly. More, more importantly, the the game is just a totally different game. Before that, it's all about you. 
and you're so selfish, you have to be selfish and you can be selfish. Um, and then it becomes almost a pure opposite. You, mm. you're, yes, you have your dreams, but you, you have to be able to translate it into other people's heads. Whatever you believe in so strongly, you have to find a way that they understand it. And if you just meet, expect they don't understand one word you say. Uh, not just because I have this strange accent as well. Because of, <laughs> There was a few times of, early on that I was like, I have no idea what he's saying. I really wish he used a yeah, whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Car- Carly Palmer, when, the first time when I met her, I met her and her dad. Mm. So it seems to be a bit of a topic that the swimmers bring the parents along. Um, but <laughs> yes, I wasn't she, the only at one. The end of, <laughs> later on, she said to me, Steph, I had no idea what he said to me. <laughs> During that interview, <laughs> I, said, oh, I just was nodding and then looked over to my dad. <laughs> but it, it's it's um you want to be able to get someone else to understand you very quickly to understand, but you have to understand them as well, and and then you have to translate it more and more for them for their personality. What we say with Luke for their physiology, for their uh, timing of technique and so on. But then on the other hand, you have to be a great specialist in so many aspects. Um, early on, the early coach will think about just to perform, you know, just do a set, uh, a training set and do that one really fast. And then you start to think more, okay, how does that set relate to the competition? And then how does that set relate to that person in front of me and their future competition? Person? And then how does that set translate to not just that individual like that, that person with the with life that goes on next to them with with everything sometimes relate the older they get i said the age group coach when they say to me oh you know i want to coach all the swimmers and so so well then you start to have some relationship problems you have money problems you have all these other aspects that come into the game uh so wish very carefully yeah uh, be very careful what you want to wish for but it's um it's a massive transition from one side to the other side and quite often the really good athletes are, i don't know whether they are really uh as well as suitable to be the coaches or, or was that because i never made it uh really in the big picture qualifying for world championships but i stopped swimming because i was offered a job so i wanted the coaching job uh, but that's the highest level, never made it to the Olympics, not even for the softer times. Is that something then that kept me striving for, for getting there more? Or had I been successful as a as a swimmer individually, would I still have pushed as hard? I, I don't know. That's such a I good question know. because that mm. that's what I say about Luke because I, I, I wonder if he had have achieved the success that he wanted in his swimming, whether he would have yeah. then gone and translated what he yeah. was and is and his drive and his passion into life after yeah. sport and in, into his business. Like, do you feel like that? And how successfully, how we, successful is he at it? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's ridiculous. It's, a, it's amazing what he's been able to create and achieve and because he's so intense and singularly focused and able to persist and persist and mm. persist. Yeah. But do you think that was part of what made you a great coach? Like, is that partly what you think mm drove you or is it just the fact that I, I think yeah I think it's one side it's the first thing is my brain <clears throat> and I think my dad told me at the age of 10 there's something not normal but he said it in a positive way yeah uh, I kept on thinking quite analytically about things I remember my 10 year old friends when I was a swimmer they 
after in the toilet break, they were hiding behind a corner. So they they said to me, oh, so we don't have to do the whole session. I just looked at them and said, like, yeah, but then you want to improve that fast. And they just looked at me with the strangest face. Like, what is he, this guy talking about? So I had that brain already from a young age. <clears throat> and then the second thing is the great education I was able to receive in Switzerland at Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. Uh, with gr- but more importantly, with really, really great uh, professors. They were leading in the world later on as well and, and in many different fields. And I don't want to go into detail, boring people mm. with that, but just incredible specialists. Mm. And then arrive in Queensland in a, a specialist environment with the QIS. Uh, but my brain just could tap into that. I think it's this constant, this, it's not just hunger, it's excitement that there's more information out there. That, that uh, How can I do this? A little bit different and i think when he came back to my program you you said to me one day like i can't believe how much a program has changed when you're in it you don't see it as much but then uh you you went left i think for a year and a half or something and then he came back and yeah like it so, so it's you want you can't be scared of trying of, of going and pushing yes you have to i mean it can't be crazy in a way that, that it ends up in disaster but you have to be able to have enough confidence and and that intuition deep inside you that's like, no, there's something in this. I've never done it before, but I have to go there. I have to do it that way. And and so it's these combinations together, but be excited about new, about change, the smooth changes, not 180 degrees changes. Yeah. That will confuse your athletes too much. Yeah. But uh, so those subtle changes and, and moving forward. I think if you want to be a coach, you must stay on the learning track. Uh, if you drop off that one, it's um, no good. And is there anything like in your on pool deck coaching career? Do you, is there anything that you would do differently, or is are you you know satisfied? Are you happy? Was there anything that you feel like you didn't achieve that you wanted to? Uh, look, Libby, I I'm, I came back from Beijing the same way, feeling the same way as you did. Yes, on one side I achieved that one goal, but it wasn't it wasn't what we. Uh, together and we in it together what we probably were hoping for you know but then again nowadays I can look at it as well in from many different other stories of athletes who went there in a similar position and came back with much less it's a bloody hard game mm. it, it is it, it's not just it was there was not just you dreaming about this there's like hundreds of other kids um, it's it, it, it's a bloody tough game. Uh, anyone who wants to coach high performance understand that it, it, it won't be just easy. It, yeah. it will be, you'll be tested. And as a coach in the corner of the athletes, you'll be tested as well again and again. So uh, is it anything I would do differently? As I said to you, maybe that phone call, you know, Yeah. and I hope you don't think now, damn it, why didn't you do that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but- Steph, forever. I'll be like, oh, if only... But yeah. I, I put it all on yeah. me. I don't blame you. It's but, but, <laughs> but, but, but no, but I'm, I'm in the game with this. And, and then on the other side, as a coach, I have to be able to look back to those years, let's say 2004 or 2000. Did I give it pretty much all I knew at that stage? And if that answer is yes, then I shouldn't have too many regrets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that brings me nicely. Finally, mm-hmm. <laughs> to yes. my Good final time. question for the, for the 
third time. Um, I always I like to ask people what the moment is that they're most proud of because I think, you know, so often we see those moments that are right in the public eye, you know, it's the gold medal, it's the national anthem. Um, mm. For me, my one of the moments that I'm most proud of, which I'm sure you remember, but at, at the 2006 World Short Course Championships in the 4 by 2 relay mm. at the end. I of, heard you talking about that in the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, it's mm. my favorite, my favorite event. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my favorite moment, I reckon, because I just didn't think that we would be able to get there and we did and it was remarkable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for coaches, it's even more quiet, right? Because you're, you're the face behind the scenes who doesn't always get the accolades that they deserve because you work Mm. as hard if not harder than most of the athletes that you're coaching what are what are those quiet yeah. moments that you're you're most proud of from from your coaching career i think one one of them is and and you probably remember it was one of the few times that you probably saw me tears in my eyes mm. you remember what what moment i talk about <laughs> no i'm not going to say because i <laughs> I'm, I'm sure i'll get it wrong but yes you go 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 tell me <laughs> 2006 commonwealth games yes yep so you had the right one. I knew you had the oh, right yeah. one. <laughs> At the end of the medley relay, when you swam 52 to 8, mm-hmm. uh, fastest relay split in the history, and that's at the end of – that was your 14th race. So uh, that was, to me, at one side, uh, remarkable as as that many events that, that you kept on performing at world-class level. Uh, and then on the other side as well, that made me really proud that, that I could design a program that an athlete can handle that that physical side. Mm. But as we know, the higher up you go, it becomes an emotional side. So you have to learn to switch uh, on for the big moments, for the finals, turn off a bit, but still enough for semifinals or heat sometimes. Not come off games, heats there. They're not that hard, but semifinals, <laughs> and then step hard. up again. But even there, you had a, a bit of disappointment in the four by two relay in mm. between in the in the lead up, where where you run out of energy because it was your third final. But at the end of day six, 14 races later, the fastest freestyle relay split in the history of our sport. Uh, that is that is something I I I, I felt super super proud of of what you've done and and what I could contribute to that fitness level and emotional uh, energy level to do that across uh, a big meet, home meet in, in Melbourne. Mm. That, that means even more. So you guys go through more emotional feelings in home meets probably at, at that stage than, than any other way. That's awesome, Steph. And, hey, to, to me, to just the one thing for the transition and so on for the athletes, I think we worked quite hard on that during the career as well. And I tried to influence you girls on – continuing or starting education i know liesl started to do something mm. you kept up some some aspects of it as well and getting ready for life post that and sometimes i maybe should have stayed there stronger with you guys uh, mm. uh, to, to just continue that and, and balance it in certain phases of life but again, the, the sporting career, I know it's, it's quite short, but I don't underestimate that. And I think people, especially maybe coaches and, and certainly athletes, you need to not underestimate how that will actually contribute to your career because 
that yeah. makes you a better person. It makes you more well-rounded. It gives you interest and excitement and things to look forward to in the future. And that I think will significantly impact on actual performance as yeah. well. And, and even when you're an athlete at training and you study a bad day at the pool and a good day at school with friends and so, yep. maybe doesn't yep. make the day as dark as just an athlete who doesn't have anything else and it's just a bad day. Absolutely. Uh, it still will leave a deep enough scar uh, because then you are an athlete and if you dream big enough, then you will never go home from that totally relaxed, but you still can get a bit another touch of, of the sensation of life and, and somewhere uh, a good feels about your friends and, and what happened at school or at university. I think that uh, we can't underestimate that as well. Such a perfect way to end our chat. Thank you, Stefan. No worries. Thanks for having me, Lily. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of All That Glitters. Uh, I really, I genuinely apologize for how self-indulgent it was, but I, I do think there are so many genuinely interesting things about the mindset of, of a great coach, whatever sport, whether it's you know high performance or community levels. There's so many things that we can take from that mindset of learning from one another and from different codes, sports, businesses, whatever it might be. Uh, and yeah, Stefan is is always such a, a, a great chat and he's been such an important part of my life and certainly a father figure at different points in my life as well. So yes, thank you for indulging me in that conversation. And as always, if you like what you listen to, rate, review, share with friends and family or on social media, that would be absolutely wonderful. And if you have any ideas of people that you would be interested in listening to that are slightly less self-indulgent, that would be great. Just head to All That Glitters pod uh, on Instagram and send me a DM. And otherwise, have a wonderful week.